we're glad you're here tonight. Um, I believe God has a word for us, and I believe God wants to set some people free tonight. You know, um, we're going to talk about faith or fear, and uh, everybody has the choice. We, we have a choice to be born again. We have a choice for everything that we do. We can choose the eternal truth, or we can choose the temporary, which our flesh rules or our spirit rules for the eternal. Amen? So let's make this confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open and my mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're here on purpose. Every one of you are here on purpose. <clears throat> you know, uh, I wanted to show you this video tonight, but I, I didn't, I saw it too late and couldn't do it. How many of you know who Jesse Duplantis is? Oh, my goodness. That man can just turn it into a real party, just, I mean, that fast. And uh, it, was a, it was in this magazine, a, a story that he told. And uh, I want to share it with you tonight because, you know, this whole series is Increase Your Faith. Um, and out of that, there's been several parts to it. Tonight, it's uh, faith or fear. And really, that choice is ours. But we started with the scripture in Romans 1, 16 and 17. says, we walk by faith and not by sight. That has to be the confession of a believer. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we've been translated out of a kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we do not walk in the ways of this world. We walk in the ways of the kingdom of God. And we have a king. We have a ruler. He's, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's designated us to be his uh, rulership in the earth through us to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus, but even more than that, to live a victorious life. Everybody say victorious. And uh, when I was listening to Jesse, um, and it, it, it kind of had to do with this uh, whole message we're going to share tonight. The title of the message he was preaching was Stretch Your Faith for the Impossible. You know, uh, impossibilities uh, are in the spiritual realm, but they can become uh, real in the nat natural realm. And we can see the manifestation of things we've believed for, even though for a long time maybe they were just things we saw spiritually. But then there's a manifestation. Jesus said, I will manifest myself to you. When he was in talking in John 14 before he left, he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. He will comfort you. He will counsel you. He will help you. And if you love me, I will manifest myself. What does that mean? Well, that means he will um, make what's spiritually real, real right here in the temporary realm. And so uh, when I was reading this, uh, Jesse says in here, early last year, which would have been in 2017, the Lord began to deal with me about stretching my faith in everything. Well, that's the word the Lord gave me for us for this year, for me, and I feel it's for our whole church, increase your faith, and which means you're going to be stretched. And uh, he goes on to say that's in everything, spiritually, physically, financially, you name it. Since then, Isaiah 65, 24 has become very big in my life. It says, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Isn't that something? Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And he goes on and says, that's how God works. He says he'll answer before you ask. It will stretch you to believe that. It will stretch you. In other words, it will increase your faith to believe that statement. And he goes on and says, um, but the, Lord, the Lord's asking us, would you like to come up here where I am? I thought that was so good. How many of you the Bible know, know the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? That's where we're seated. But just because we're seated there doesn't mean our, our mind has been renewed to a point where we think like he thinks and we speak what he speaks. And it goes on and says, this is a place where failure is not an option. 
How many of you would like to just know failure is not an option? Well, if you belong to Jesus, failure is not an option. But, but to believe that is another step in going in a, uh, in a higher level of faith or increasing our faith to believe what God believes. With him, nothing is impossible. And so he goes on and says, failure should never be an option for a believer. And so he tells this story. And uh, I went online so I could watch him because I wanted to see him tell it uh, in person. And uh, if I could have gotten it tonight, you all would have got so distracted by the message that you wouldn't even have heard what I said probably the rest of the night because I laughed myself silly when I was watching him. It says, sometimes I feel like a woman with stretch marks. Now, only the women really can appreciate that, but if a man's ever seen any, it's not the, the prettiest thing you've ever seen. Uh, and it says, people tend to freak out when I say that, so let me explain. Kathy and I often go to Hawaii. She loves it there, not me. I get bored easily. Recently, after two days on the island, I asked Kathy, are you ready to go? She said, Jesse, have you lost your mind? You've got to learn to relax. She said, pointing out toward the water, look at the ocean. And he said, I've seen it. I said, it's water. I don't get excited about water. I brush my teeth with water every day. So she sent me on a walk to try and relax. As I strolled, I began enjoying it. Soon I was on the beach where I saw a lady with two or three kids stand up. Lord, look at the stretch marks on that mama. What he said to himself. That's not the worst of it. Does that surprise you? It surprised her too. Uh, he says, I mean, she was stretched. So I approached her and said, You have stretch marks <laughs> on the beach. If you know Jesse DePlantis, this is not unusual. I mean, you wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you. Does that surprise you? It surprised her too. She was speechless. My God, girl, I said, you're a life creator. You've created life. I pointed to the kids, and this must be the life you created. I continued, thank you for creating life. You did what God did. He created life. You did it because you wanted to be a blessing. You wanted to be a mama. You wanted children, and now you bear the marks of a great mother. That's a different perspective, isn't it? Didn't you say we need to change our perspective, David? Her husband said, I've been trying to tell her that for years. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a husband? And then it says, then I said, you know, I'm a life creator too. About 4,500 people a week get born again through my ministry. I'm bearing kids, and I bear the marks of a Christian. I added, in fact, I'm stretched out more than you, sweetheart. <laughs> that woman stood tall, losing any sense of shame, and said, I'm taking a walk around the beach all by myself. She wasn't offended. She was excited to show off her stretch marks. She realized they were a display of her doing what God had led her to do, create life. People ought to see the life of Jesus Christ in you. Everywhere you go, they should see the marks of your faith stretching. Amen. They should see those marks stretching. I don't care if you're in a restaurant, getting your car fixed, something inside of you should be pushing you to display life, 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 life abundantly. And he says, the way to get failure out of your life and stretch your faith for the impossible is to be fearless. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, being fearless. Now, that doesn't mean any of you need to, you know, go find you a pool and tell somebody, look at your great stretch marks. But it does mean that we've got to begin to think about letting God stretch us to a place where it may not always look the best to other people, but we know we're doing what God told us to do. And sometimes walking by faith doesn't look all that good to other people. Uh, it may not seem like in their sight it's an, a possibility, but remember, we're serving a God who is a God of impossibility. And so we don't look at it the way they do. If you turn to Galatians chapter 5, uh, we're going to talk tonight first. Faith works by love. Because uh, I, I want to share with you what I believe uh, really will deliver people from being in a place where fear uh, puts them in a paralyzed position to even think what God would think.
You know, you have to think what God would think before you can do what God would ask you to do. You have to be able to let the Holy Spirit uh, be so real in you and be so emptied of yourself that you can receive what God's saying and believe it in your heart and move on that on that word. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony because I was a very fearful person. Uh, I never liked to be in front of people. Um, I, I didn't like speech class. Um, in high school, I would have to sing at musicals that we would have because the director of the choir in the high school was also my clarinet teacher. He was my vocal teacher and and so, you know, he, and he was also the music director in our church where I played the organ. So whenever he decided, he would say, you need to sing this solo. And I, I cannot tell you how terrified I would be of doing that. And um, I only did it because I was more afraid of him if I didn't, because he would always look at me and say, do not say you cannot. Say you can and I didn't have anything to make me believe that I could. I didn't know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just because I played the organ in church and played all those hymns at that time, which were so beautiful to me, didn't mean that they were real to me. They were just, I, I was the church organist, so I played them every Sunday. But they weren't real to me. There was no faith attached to any of those songs. I love the words. I would feel something inside, but it never really moved me to take a risk or to want to take a risk to even know that faith, you know, was something that I could even walk in. I didn't hear anybody talk about faith. Never heard anybody talk about the devil. Uh, I heard sermons that, you know, you did this thing in this pulpit, and then you went over here and said something in this pulpit, and in between you sang a hymn, and you left church, and that's all it was for me. It was not anything that was a relationship. And so when I uh, got saved, I, I knew something happened, but how many of you know the enemy comes quickly to steal that, that uh, I don't want to say it's an emotional thing, but something inside you knows. The Bible says your spirit bears witness with the spirit of God that you're saved. So there is some knowing on the inside of you, but very quickly the enemy comes with accusations, situations to try to pull you out of that position that you felt at the time was so wonderful. And so I want to start with Galatians 5.1. It says, For freedom Christ freed us. Stand fast, therefore, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage, I believe, the greatest yoke of bondage for the body of Christ is fear. Everybody say fear. <laughs> because fear hinders us from hearing, hinders us from believing hinders us from doing and at any of those levels the enemy will try to make us fearful that's why god said in second timothy 1 7 in the word of god god has not given you a spirit of fear but power love and a sound mind but i really didn't know how to stand fast i i was like a a yo-yo you know one day i'm i'm strong and the next day I'm back in the ditch and then I'm up and down and up and down. How many have ever been on that roller coaster? And you know, it's, um, it's not a pleasant place to be. And then it goes on and said, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, circumcised, and that was a sign uh, in the old covenant uh, of, of the covenant of God being, uh, you being a part of it, Christ will profit you nothing. I testify again to every man who is circumcised that he's obligated to keep the whole law. None of us can. You have been cut off from Christ. Whoever of you are justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. How many of you know we need grace? Grace is the favor of God. It's his unmerited favor, which means we don't really deserve it, but we still have it. It also is the power of God in us to be able to accomplish all the things God has called us to do. It's God's enablement in our lives. And so I don't want to fall from grace, for we, through the Spirit, by faith, everybody say, by faith, by faith. through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything but faith which works through love now why is that so important well your faith is only going to work to the level of the love 
that you know God has for you. Now, because he loved us first, we love him. But the key to your salvation really was that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God's commitment was ahead of yours. Does that, do you understand that? God's commitment to all of mankind was ahead of our commitment to him. Now, we choose him and we learn to love him. I don't believe that when you first get saved, your love is fully developed. Uh, I don't know that our love is ever fully developed to be agape like God's, maybe until we see him. But it's a process that we're supposed to be growing in every day. And uh, God always helps us by putting somebody that's not easy to love in our path. Because if everybody were easy to love, we'd love them out of our natural ability to love them. But it's those that are difficult to love. That's what causes us to grow in that nature of God, to love. God demonstrated his love for us when he sent Jesus. So that was already accomplished. And so in us, our faith, this is the way we live eternally. This is not a temporary thing. Flesh lives in the temporary. Faith exists in the supernatural or in the eternal. And so we are not a people who live in the temporary. We live in the eternal. We are the just. We live by faith and not by sight. And so it's important that we stand fast in that place of faith. We all receive Jesus by faith. We, we believed in our heart. We confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I know the difference in that because I was a good Methodist, and I said all the things they told me to say. And I said that Jesus was the Son of God. But when I said, Jesus be the Lord of my life, it changed from a knowledge that Jesus was the Son of God to a relationship with the Son of God. Okay, and so I went from flesh to spirit. Now, every day I have a choice. We talked last week about everyday faith. Every day I have a choice, 24-7, because the devil will get you up in the night and scare your pants off. He wants to put you in a position where you're so fearful you can't think. And when you're sleepy, you're weak. When you're, when you're tired, your strength you know, is depleted to a point where he finds a place that he can just gnaw on you. How many of you have ever been gnawed on all night? I have. My husband says, honey, your mind's racing. Go back to sleep. Well, it's my mind and the devil making it race, you know. But it's my place to walk by faith and not by sight. So I'm the one who has to put the enemy in his place. Amen? That's why we sang that tonight. The enemy is under my feet. And you have the victory. Okay. So in my life, I would just go up and down. And it goes on right after that. It says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, this is where I used to say, well, this person did, and this person did, and this person did. And if they'd just done this, I mean, they're all messing up my faith. And God said to me, no, the one who's hindering you is your enemy. See, I had never read Ephesians 6. I didn't know that my enemy was the devil or powers or principalities because we never talked about the devil in the church I used to go to. Not until I was born again did I know about the devil and what he would do and how he steals, kills, and destroys. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So this wrestling match began on the inside of me. Was I born again? Yes. Was I filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. I prayed in tongues. But, you know, the enemy could scare me so bad, I'd, I'd forget to pray in tongues. The body of Christ, charismatic Christians are missing it today. I just want to tell you this. We are missing it because we have been given a gift that will tear down the powers of hell. But we're not practicing it. It's kind of like it's just a little chink, you know, a little, oh, got that. No. 
it's a weapon. It is a weapon. I know that because in that time that I was walking through this, God would say to me, pray in tongues while you're driving. It's possible to do that without wrecking. Because you don't have to shut your eyes. You know, you can keep your eyes open. You can pray in the spirit. You can war in the spirit. You can do what God wants you to do in the spirit. It's a weapon that we have that we need to use. And, and I heard Jesse DePlanet say, I ran into my friend at the 50s class reunion. And uh, I forget his name was Stevie or something like that. And he said, I saw him. I said, what are you doing? He said, I can't believe what either one of us are doing. He said, we're both pastors. He said, oh, my gosh, nobody would believe this. And he said, a lot of people confirmed it at the class reunion. And he said, I said, he said I'm a Baptist preacher. And he said, well, I'm charismatic. I needed, I needed more. I did, and that's why, that's why God put me over here. Well, I needed more. I did need more. I needed a power that would deliver me from myself and my mind that would go back and forth. And it says in Galatians, if you go on down in verse uh, 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit. Did we not say we walk by faith and not by sight? The spirit realm is faith. That's where faith is. I walk in the spirit, and you, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that please you, that you please. In other words, you, you know what you want to do, but you don't do it. How many of us live there sometimes? I know what I'm supposed to do. But if I could just have one more French fry. I'm putting it a level where we all can understand, you know. <clears throat> I've stopped eating French fries. I've stopped eating potato chips till my husband got some the other day, and then I got, got hooked. So it's his fault that I walked in the flesh. Is that right? No. I'm supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Whose responsibility is that? Mine. That's what I learned in 1979 when God got me by myself. Everything that you're suffering is your problem. Nobody else's. It was the beginning of the death of me, really, that brought life. Because I had to stop pointing the finger except this direction. And when you point it this direction, you have to do something. Amen? And so at that point, I didn't know what to do with myself, but I knew that that fear was being, uh, well, it was getting into my kids because I was a single mom and I had three kids. And so my fear became their fear. And I didn't want my kids to be fearful. So I really began to pray, God, help me to not be fearful. I don't know how to not be fearful. And at that time in my life, I heard this. I, it's just, I mean, I can tell you that it was in June of 1979. I moved to Tulsa. I was working at ORU. I was in the School of Medicine. Uh, at that time, uh, Paul Osteen, Joel Osteen's brother, was in that school. And he started bringing me uh, tapes. Yeah, tapes. Back in the, that's how old I am. They were tapes. And I was in an office where there was nobody with me. They had just started the School of Medicine, so I was by myself. I, could, I brought a tape recorder, and I played the tapes while I worked. And I played them all day, and they, front, they were from Joel's dad, John Osteen. And at that time, that church was called the Oasis of Love. And I began to hear this message about love. Now, I had looked for love in all the wrong places. I could have sung some of those old songs. And I had the evidence to prove it, you know, in the consequences of my life. So, you know, I hadn't stopped looking for love, but I had said to the Lord, I don't want to meet anybody or have any relationship until you know I'm ready. If you don't want that, don't pray it. Because for three years, I never did anything except take care of my kids and work. I didn't have money to go to, I mean, we didn't even go to a movie till about the third year. And seriously, I worked, I took care of my kids, I read the word, and I played my piano. It took three years 
for God to get me where he needed me to be. But it was a place where I no longer lived by flesh. I lived by the spirit. And it started when God began to speak to me about love. And it says, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but eventually it says in 1 John, if you'll turn there, it talks about how God has already made provision for us to live free from fear. And, and a lot of people think, if I could just get rid of this, I, if I could just get rid of this circumstance or this person in my life, I would not be fearful. If I had all the money I need, I would not be fearful. No, that's not true. Because if you know how the enemy works, he will just find another little place in you where he can attack you with fear. Amen? You have to get the root out. And I heard this in June. This is all I heard. And then these tapes I was listening to, I heard this. I'm going to pour my love in you. Now, I didn't know the scripture we're about to read. I'm going to put my love in you. I'm going to pour it in. And I'm just keep pouring it and pouring it until all the fear has come up and out. I thought, well, that's got to be a miracle. That's easy. I had people trying to cast the devil out me, out of me, laying hands on me seriously, commanding the devil to get out of me, and all these things, and none of that worked. So this sounded like a really easy plan. All I had to do was read the word and play my piano. And God was going to pour in all this love, and all the fear would leave. That's an easy plan. I didn't know this, but this is what it says in 1 John chapter 4. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Verse 17. In this way, God's love is perfected in us so that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. That was not a reality to me. I would not have seen myself like Jesus was when he walked the earth or as he is today, seated in heavenly places alongside him. I didn't know the word that well. There is no fear in love. So I diagnosed myself. If there's no fear in love, I don't have love because I am fearful. I always thought I fell in love. How many of you people know that people say, I just fell in love? Well, they didn't, if they, they didn't fall in love. God causes you to love, but it's, it's not a fall. It's not a fall. It's, it's something that God does on the inside of you that just brings you to a place where you don't need all that emotion. You just know. Everybody say, you just know. Like I said last week, when I met Pastor Bill, I could have married him the first date because... I knew God said he was the one. And what? He's going to say something, but I'm not going to let him. And I knew that whatever was who he was, what he was, I knew I was okay because I had learned the love of God. And if God said to me, he's the one, then it was okay. There was no fear. Everybody say no fear. This is before, I mean, God's got it better than Nike. No fear. Absolutely no fear. And I had not spoken to anybody, another, you know, a male person in all those three years. But how would I know that instantly? Except that perfect love cast out all fear. And when you're emptied of that fear, the love of God can cause you to know. Everybody say, to know. And then he goes on and he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The, the New King James says, has torment. Whoever fears is not perfect in love. That's not a word of condemnation. That just says that something more has to happen in your life to recognize how much God loves you. It's not, about, it's not about you not loving God enough. 
I need to tell you that because there's a lot of people who try harder to love God more. And that's not what, it's about understanding God's love for you. Now, we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. But your faith works because you know God loves you. Faith works by love. That's not your love. That's the knowledge of God's love in your heart. I did not do that. I did not make that happen. God did it. How did he do that? Two things. Everybody say two things. There may be more for you, but it was a dynamic duo for me. And it, it separated me from fear. And all I can say is like that blind man, I don't know, once I was fearful and now I'm not. And that is a blessing from God. Now, do I still feel fear sometimes? Yeah, just recently when we went to Florida, we were on the ninth floor of this building. And the wind was blowing. The windows were, the metal on those windows, you know what that is down there, Sue, where, you know, when the winds are blowing real hard and they're banging against the thing. And, of course, my husband wants to open the window with no screens, let the ocean fly, you know. And hallelujah. Pastor Bill has no fear. I don't even know if he ever feels fear anymore. But Now, I still have to fight to get out of my flesh and into faith. But by the end of the time we were there, I could actually walk by the railing and didn't feel like I was going to fall off. Feelings are real. And I, I'm not, I never like heights. But I got to the ninth floor and I had the victory. Amen? And uh, so, you know, I'm not saying you instantly are here. But I know this. I am able now, through what God did to me in 1979 when he poured in the love and the fear went out, I'm able to conquer by faith. Everybody say, by faith. And that is freedom. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We feel fear. Fear is an emotion. I mean, there's an emotion, and it's, it's not always bad. Sometimes we need to feel that to know, don't do that. I, I can remember uh, when we were young, my sister and I, we lived on a highway, and we just had a sidewalk, and then there was grass, not very much. I mean, you know, maybe two or three feet. And then Highway 25, which was the main highway between Indianapolis and South Bend, and semis up and down that highway. We had no fear until my mother got the switch <laughs> and said, if you get off this sidewalk into that grass, this switch will meet your behind. We had fear. And we learned that you should be fearful to go in the road where the semis are. That was healthy. That was a knowledge we needed to have. But God doesn't want you to live in fear of things that will hinder your faith. So how do you get out of it? These are the two things that God did in me. Praise. Everybody say praise. You know, uh, I bind the devil and I command him to go. But he, I don't even know he's around when I'm praising God. <laughs> Amen? It puts you in a different place. God inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? It's in Psalm uh, 22.3. If God is enthroned in our praises, if he's there, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And so as I, I had no idea what I was doing, but God did. And I would sit at that piano every night and just play worship songs. I didn't know anything about worship leaders. The only thing I'd ever seen was a choir director. So I didn't know anything about leading people in praise and worship. I'd never been to a church where they did that until I lived in Tulsa. And I went to a church during that time and saw it in action. But I didn't know anything about that. But I would sing those songs. They were Baptist hymnal songs. It even worked. It worked. And, it's, and I remember singing this one, only what's done for Christ will last. I would just cry when I would sing that. Well, what was God doing? He was healing me, and that fear, all that torment, all that pain was leaving me. It was, it was supernatural. But I put myself in a position for God to do it. Then I would go to bed, and I would read the word till I fell asleep. And God would give me the word to read and pray over myself that I never knew. Nobody taught me. I would just hear. 
I would read the book of Ephesians. I started reading it. If you want to know who you are in Christ, read the book of Ephesians. And that was first in the first chapter, it says that we can know uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, and, we, and I began to pray that over myself. Then that John Osteen, he began to help me, give me scriptures. And then in Ephesians 3, where it says, to know the height and depth and length and breadth of the love of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that works in, yeah, not in somebody else. And all of this started being revelation. And that perfect love began to cast out all fear in my life. The most amazing thing was when I met Pastor Bill, uh, he was... I was telling him about this, and Bill was new. He didn't know, know very many things about the Lord. He hadn't been saved all that long, and, of course, I was really a different kind of revelation, I guess, for him because I was so sure of who Jesus was and what I believed and, and so excited about everything, you know, that, about God that, you know, I think he kind of just like, wow, you know, and he would sit, I would, he would say, just play the piano. He'd sit on the piano bench. I'd play the piano. He'd cry. I'd cry. Everybody say, the presence of God will bring freedom. And so, you know, it, it, was, just, it was just the spirit of God. But I told him about this fear and love thing. And he said to me, oh, that's like the shake machines at, at the Burger Chef. He had, he had been a manager of Burger Chefs. And I'm thinking, the shake machine. I'm talking about the love of God here. He said, well, when the, the shake machines at night, you would pour the mix into the shake machines to get the bacteria in the mix out. It would come to the top and it would be foamy. It would roll over the top. But if you tried to stick something in there and scoop it up, it would go right back into the good stuff. And so you had to pour new mix in to push the old bacteria mix out of there until it was smooth and the foamy stuff was gone. Doesn't that sound like to put old wine in new wineskins? You know, it, it was like, that's what God did to me. I was like the shake machine. And I had a lot of stuff in there. And so God just started pouring in his good stuff, his love, and all of that foamy mess of stuff that didn't belong in there just rose right up and rolled right off the top. And from uh, February of 1979 to March of 1980, God did it. It was so clear in my, even my physical appearance that when I came home at Christmas that year, uh, I was in a grocery store. And a person that I knew very well didn't even recognize me. Did not even recognize me until they got past me. My family said, don't come back. You're doing really good. You look okay. You sound okay. Don't come back. But God said, go back and face the giants. And walk by faith and not by sight. How do you do that? Play the piano. And stay in the word. Amen. The high praises of God. Psalm 149. It says that the high praises of God. That's when you begin to praise God for who he is. Regardless of what you're feeling or seeing. Those high praises in your mouth. Everybody say in my mouth. Now you know I know that not everybody likes to sing during worship. And not everybody sings. But it's important that in that atmosphere of worship. Tonight when we sang, the spirit of the Lord is here, whether you sing or not, if you will just open your heart, God will do something. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God inhabits the praises of his people. That's why we worship in this church. God began to show me, it's not the songs just in the choir, it's, it's the people releasing their heart to let God work in their heart. Because that's what God did. He took a hold of my heart and he healed it so that it wasn't a broken heart anymore. It was a whole heart. 
But it says in Psalm 149, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword. So what is that? Praise and the word. And it says to execute vengeance on nations and punishments on people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with shackles of iron. This is talking about powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. So when we're praising, the enemy is being bound by those praises. I don't know how it works. I just know the word says it works, so it works. And it says in Ephesians 6.10 that our fight is not with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And so when we are able to be in a place, it's a lot easier to, and, and more enjoyable to bind the devil singing about Jesus than going around all the time trying to fight the devil. I've counseled people, literally, who spend hours fighting the devil. I'm thinking, why are you even talking to him? He's defeated. Why don't you just ignore him and worship God? He will leave. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. My husband gave that scripture on Sunday. When you worship, you are submitting to God, and the devil will leave. When you confess the word and you speak the word and you direct the word into what you believe God for and not spend all your time trying to fight with him, you will release what God wants to release, and the devil will get out of there. What he wants to do is bring fear. And so the story that God gave me just to leave you with tonight is Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. If you look at that story, it is an example of faith. And, and when he walked by faith, he ended up using the praise team. Now, you think, you know, Joshua's story of marching around Jericho was something you know, I don't know if I said to Wanda and Patricia, okay, girls, we got an army out there. They're going to try to kill us tonight. So, John, get your guitar. We're going. You know, Justin, get you some kind of a drum, and we're, we're headed out. We're going first. Now, there will be an army behind us equipped. That's what it says. They went ahead of the equipped army. It doesn't say they had any equipment. What did they have? The high praises of God in their mouth, which say the word of God. And we're going to get that team together, and we're going to go out, and we're going to fight all these enemies, but we'll have this, these behind us, you know, and when it's their turn, they can take over. They didn't ever have to take over. But what does it say in Second Chronicles 20? This is what it says. So they rose early in the morning, went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his word. Believe his, can you turn? Prophets, and you shall prosper. The prophets had the word of God. The prophets said, this is what God said. The prophet had said, Back before that, earlier in that chapter, do not fear. The Lord will fight this battle for you. Everybody say, do not fear. The Lord will fight this battle for you. Obviously, he got this instruction from the Lord through the prophet. Do not fear. Just do what I tell you to do. And this is what he says. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army. In my Bible, it says those equipped, those equipped for war. And we're saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. What they were saying is, we walk by faith and not by sight. God said, we do. Amen? But in order to do that, fear has to be removed. Fearful people do not do what God says. And that's exactly what Jesse Duplantis was saying in this article. Don't let fear stop you from increasing your faith. We are at a place, I believe, where we will be faced with things that would intimidate or torment or try to come against us to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But we walk by faith and not by sight. He's, this is what he said. To reach a goal in your life, 
You have to live in the moment to have faith for the future. So you have to live in the moment. Everybody say live in the moment. That means you have to use faith for right where you are today to walk in faith for the future. You have to live in the moment. Fear will stop you from living in the moment. How many of you know can think of things where you've started to do something and then this thing comes that says stop? That's when we have to push through, just like Jehoshaphat did with those singers. And all the enemies were defeated, and they collected the spoil. And the enemy had defeated themselves. They fought against each other and defeated themselves. That's a great battle to go to. Amen? But you know why I believe that happened? Because the rejoicing was happening, which caused, just like Psalm 149, it will bind, it will hinder what the enemy's trying to do. It will bring the destruction to what the enemy's doing. It is Psalm 149 in the natural, I mean, you can, in a battle that you could see. When they begin to praise, the enemies begin to war against each other, and they hadn't even gotten there yet. By the time they got there, it was over. Isn't that the best kind of fight to go to? You're all geared up and get there and heck fire. All you got to do is pick up all the good stuff. Amen? Let's stand tonight. This is the other thing he said. To have faith for the future, today's journey is a stepping stone toward tomorrow's dream. So we need to have faith for the future. But what we're facing today is a stepping stone toward what God's dream is for you. God has a dream for every one of us. And he wants us to get there. But the only way to get to the dream of God, because it's eternal, is to walk by faith and not by sight. It's to walk by faith and not in fear. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person who's here tonight. I know what fear feels like. and um, I know what the kind of fear feels like that you feel like you, you don't know how to get out. But God always has a way of escape. He said, no matter what the temptation, no matter what happens, I will provide a way of escape. And so I don't know where you are tonight in your walk with God. But I do know this. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I feel like I, I don't know who this is for. But it's what you're saying to yourself is, I have been here before. And it seems like it just happens again and again, again and again. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Like it just repeats itself. It's like it's a cycle. Yeah, I see your hands. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you tonight that that cycle is stopped. In the name of Jesus, that cycle of fear, that just it, you just about get the victory and then something happens. And it's like, I'm right back where I was. In Jesus' name, I take authority over that. If somebody beside you, lift your hand again, because there are people who are strong believers and strong in faith right around you that can put your hand, their hand on you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're struggling right now with a situation that is, that's caused you to be very fearful and, and made you want to just give up right where you are, would you lift your hand? We're going to pray for you too. You are in the middle of that place where you say, I, I need God to intervene. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you tonight that your word is truth, that your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And whatever is at the root, because if you destroy the root, the fear will be gone. I'm asking God right now to just pour the love of God into your life in such a strong way that that root will be rooted out and be and be gone from your life in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you tonight that the lie of the enemy, the lie of the enemy that they have believed that is holding them captive tonight in the name of Jesus, we curse the root of it and we loose them from it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you that you said, I will give you the victory I will give you the victory, and I thank you, Lord, for the victory in Jesus' name that overcomes. This is the victory Jesus said.
that he had the victory that overcomes the world and everything that he has belongs to every one of us and in jesus name i declare over your lives that the same victory that christ gained at calvary is the victory that you have in your life and you are an overcomer you are an overcomer you overcome by the blood of the lamb by the word of your testimony and not loving your life even unto death in jesus name in jesus name father i pray for everybody here tonight that when the enemy confronts us with fear we rise up on the inside and and we declare i walk by faith and not by sight there is no fear in love and i am loved perfect love has cast out all fear in my life and i walk in the authority and dominion that god has given me because i am loved i want every one of you to say that i am loved because jesus died for me the love of god has been placed in my heart i walk in that love therefore my faith works because faith works by your love and i thank you that i am loved even in situations where i make a mistake you said your love will never be taken away from me so i walk in perfect love your love is perfected in me fear has no place in my life i am strong in the lord in the power of his might powers and principalities have no authority over my life i am not fearful i am full of faith and full of love therefore i overcome in every situation i have the victory because of the blood in jesus name